Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Erica Winterstrom, and we're at the Sunstroke House in Mississippi. And the song is called Extraordinary Love.
Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, this is your host, Alan, and welcome to Porch Talk. For starters, Erica, growing up, and uh, where are you from? I'm from Dayton, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. And so what was life like in Dayton, and how did you get into music? Yeah, you know, I was, I've wanted to sing and do music as long as I can remember. I might have even been like three years old, and I told everybody that's what I was going to do when I grew up. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. It's really funny because I was a really shy, awkward child, and I think uh, that's what I told everybody I was going to do, but I wasn't exactly like... The person for it? Oh, yeah. I wasn't singing in front of everybody and just sort you know, it was just this thing that I told everybody I was going to do. Yeah, and I, at one point, I was like, I, I wonder if I can even be the singer that I in my head imagine that I am. Yeah, but I just started uh, maybe junior high or somewhere around then, just really trying to write songs in high school, and I didn't play out or perform or anything like that. But when I was about eighteen and left high school, I was like, well. I guess if this is what I, I'm gonna do, I better like figure it out. <laughs> right. so I, I didn't go to college or anything. I mean, I took some classes here or there, but did you start playing guitar. And what um, other, what other instruments or how did that get started? I got a when when I was like I don't know maybe somewhere six or eight. My okay. parents got a piano and I learned okay. piano a bit. Was you like learning to read music or like? Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't have a lot of patience for that. I, I feel like I would just memorize the songs, you know, which I think is really common with a lot of yeah. when you're learning to read music. You just you get used to hearing something and you just know how to play it, whether you're reading it or not. Right. I don't know. I could probably figure out some sheet music now, but it's been a long time. Sure. <laughs> But my dad surprised me. Uh, it was Christmas or my birthday. I don't remember what mm-hmm. holiday. My parents divorced, so it was sent through the mail. But I just remember like getting. A, I was like, "Oh, my dad got me a guitar." I I hadn't thought about playing guitar right. or anything. It was really. It was very random. Yeah. And then I tried to play it, and I was like, "This is hard." <laughs> <laughs> I, for if you've never played guitar, uh, for any folks listening, it's like you have to like build calluses on your hands. Absolutely. And if and and uh, when you first start playing, like trying to press down strings is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. So my patience didn't last long for that. Absolutely. Um, Not to mention when you get your calluses, <laughs> when you start getting them, like you're going to have those off notes to where when you press down, it's not going to sound right. You have to work through all that. Yeah, I still get that a little bit, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, so I got it and I sort of put, I tried it and I put it aside. I was, I was like, that was random. Uh, but when I was, became an adult, 18, and I was like, and I got really into like, um, even before then I got really into sort of like DIY rock shows punk rock and okay, yeah let's talk a little bit about musical background and all that so influences and yeah I mean I just when I started uh, I guess when I got old enough to drive I would go to these DIY 
rock shows from mm-hmm. local bands and sometimes touring bands and and I just felt so inspired seeing live music in that in that way and and that's really motivated me to pick the guitar back up sure so when I was, yeah were you still in Dayton at this time I was yeah okay. yeah I was there till I guess about 20 yeah okay so when you were hitting the road, what was that like? What were you going to do when you left Dayton? Oh, well, I i mean, I moved to Cincinnati because I started seeing somebody, Mike Lamping, who actually ended up playing in Heartless Bastards like later. But I moved to Cincinnati and we got a place together. But it took several years later for the band to form. I mean, actually for the Heartless Bastards, how it started was I was like trying to convince folks to play with me in a band and people wouldn't take me seriously. Okay. I'm like, I was a very awkward, shy, soft-spoken mm-hmm. person and people yeah. are just not like, oh, well, yeah, I'm like ready to do that. I don't I don't think I sort of emanated like... Uh, Someone you know. who could actually do it. Yeah. So Mike, my boyfriend, was like... Um, why don't you just do some eight track stuff? You know, because I, I would write multiple parts and stuff. And so I had an eight track and I just layered the album. And I my first album, a lot of them, I wrote a lot of the parts and stuff. I mean, it's very simplistic, you know. I, so we're talking about the first Heartless Yeah, the first Heartless Bastards record. I did initially a lot of it on my eight track and I wrote all the parts. And, wow. um,. So bass, drums, the whole works. Not the not the drums, okay. but I would write like the bass and the guitar and and stuff. And you know, he, he was like, "Why don't you just record it yourself?" You know. But I decided my musicianship wasn't quite Where you what I be. wanted it to be. So I got folks that I really liked in town, and I was like, "Hey, would you you know would be you up for yeah?" Well, actually, it's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> it's going to be a long podcast. No, but I was also in another band before that. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. I, when I moved to Cincinnati, my old roommate had asked if I was up for playing bass in a band. Okay. And I was like, I've never played bass before. She's like, I bet you you could do it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's try it out. So... Uh, I borrowed a bass for a little bit, uh-huh. and I went to the rehearsals, and I was already playing guitar by then and learning it, and they liked where I was going with it. So they were like, yeah, okay, you join. And yeah. that was back in Dayton. I was commuting. It was called Jesus, because <laughs> it was initially an all-girl band. Yeah. Kind of punk rock, or what kind of genre? Yeah, it was sort of like art rock, punk rock, kind of art, art rock, I guess. Okay. So I did that. I think that kind of gave me the courage because I was playing on stage with them. And mm. But I realized this, my own thing was what I really wanted to do after a certain point. And I was like putting so much energy into that. And I just decided like starting my own thing was sure. like ultimately what I needed to do, which is when I did those demos. And Dave eventually, because we were an all-girl band, but mm-hmm. female drummers are kind of rare you know it's just not it's not an instrument when I don't you know people hand their kids instruments when you're a kid and to take in school you know and it's just 
typically, I think drums aren't something that are chosen. Like p- parents don't give it's their girls drums. Instruments or maybe a lighter stringed instrument like a violin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I I just feel like it's typically seen as a bit more masculine. Not that it is. It's just you know. But so we had a challenge finding another drummer. female drummer. And so Dave Colvin joined, who eventually was in Heartless Bastards. Okay. But when I did my demo, uh, I asked him if he was up for. Uh, he was. He had moved to San Francisco, but he was. He, he's from Ohio, so he's going to be in town for the holidays. And I asked him if he was up for doing some recording with me, coming a few days early. So it's funny, and and Jesse Ebal, who later joined Heartless Bastards, was also on that demo. He was in a band called Perline, and the first time I ever saw them, like, was in this this club in Cincinnati, the Comet, and he was sitting down with his like legs propped up, playing <laughs> like laid back like this, which I guess people can't see on this podcast, right. but he just laid back, just legs like, crossed. I was just like, hanging wow. out. I was like, he's so cool. I was like, he's just so like, that's so unusual, but he's like owning it. Yeah. And then I, when I went to introduce myself and tell him how great I thought he was, I realized he was on crutches and he had had. <laughs> I was like, oh, explains it. <laughs> He owned that, though. He really did. But they were on the demo. And then I passed that out to every single person that I bartended. And and I worked in this bar by the college. And anybody that walked in that I thought would remotely be just interested. I was like, hey, check this out. And I actually got like a a lot of people really enjoyed it and really Mm -hmm. dug it. I got put on a few jukeboxes in town. There you go. Yeah, but then I, it came time to find put together a live band, mm-hmm. and uh, Mike, my ex-boyfriend, eventually started playing with me, and this Kevin Vaughn, a friend, and we just started touring, playing everywhere we could, and I played in Akron, Ohio yeah. one night, and Patrick Carney from the Black Keys had come out. Which he actually, we opened for them in Cincinnati. Like, you opened for Black Keys? Yeah, it was like a, maybe a month or two before that. So I don't know if he just randomly ended up there mm-hmm. that night hanging out or whether he actually came to see us. Yeah. The funny thing was, too, when we got there, we had driven and, 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 and we get there and the owner's like, you know, there really aren't like a lot of pre ticket sales. There aren't really any pre ticket sales. He's like, you know, I'll just pay you, and you can, like, go on your way. He's like, don't worry. You don't even have to set up and play. He's like, which, you know, I think he felt like he was doing us a favor. Okay. You know. But at the same time, I was kind of like, gosh. It's you know, every time exchange, we... right? Well, I, you know, I think he really felt like he was doing us a favor. Okay. But I was, like, kind of, for myself, I was like, well, playing is what I'd love to do. Yeah, we're here and, to do that. And, like, if anything, it'll be a good practice. You know, mm-hmm. so sure. I was like, well, I was like, if we have the option to play, I kind of want to play, you know, mm-hmm. even if nobody's here, it's fine. And so he's like, all right, suit yourself. You can play. Yeah. So and then Patrick came in partway through the set uh, and I recognized him from playing the show like a month before. Mm-hmm. And we sat down and had like, a, we, I mean, we were splitting like a pitcher of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had like a pitcher of beer in forever. Yeah. Uh, 
But I gave him a demo that night. And then I remember, like, several months later, like, I get home from work one night, and there's a note from Mike. You're still bartending at this point? Yeah. And there's a note, and it says, like, why didn't you tell me Fat Pasta's been emailing? Yeah, and uh, this was when Black Keys was still recording at Fat Possum. Yeah, yeah, it was like this was like pre Rubber Factory. What was the the big come up or what was, it was the? It was the big come up. Was that the one right before Rubber Factory? It may have been Magic Potion. No, it wasn't that one. Okay, yeah, it, that it was after be, Rubber it had, Factory. It had a big big come up then. Okay, yeah, and then the next day I woke up and I called him because you know I work nights and he worked days. And I called him at work, and I was like, I had no idea. And apparently, they were going to the junk mailbox, and he like checked the mm-hmm. junk mail, and, which I never did. I just assumed that junk mail it was junk mail. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they probably have mass email lists or something, mm-hmm. and so you you know, it's like maybe it goes in that category. But yeah, I so they had been emailing, and um, on my CD, I had like a number, which wasn't working anymore and yeah, you know, like, a lot of bad contacts yeah right? but i just caught them when they were like ready to be just like forget it you know but i reached out and then that embarked me on my three albums with fat possum and yeah <laughs> I, I could that's great so, i've got so, a long so, story so i could like talk a lot of the podcast to... <laughs> i'm cool with it we can go so you went from Dayton to Cincinnati down to, did you spend time down in Oxford while you were at Possum or did you move or it was kind of in transit? Oh no, I just, um, I was still living in Cincinnati the whole time, but I did record some down in Oxford okay. on that album. First we met Matthew up in New York. We did some demos, like we just kind of did like a really good studio demos or like a nice studio, but maybe not good demos. It was all sort of like, whoa, this is like, I don't know. I felt like a little overwhelmed at that time. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to work with us. And then we came down and we did the rest of the album in Oxford. Yeah. Or, well, it was actually in Water Valley. Water Valley. Yeah. Which is where the office for Fat Possum used to be for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just just like during that time and like, after you started recording at Fat Possum and Heartless Bastards was becoming a thing, as far as like setting touring dates and lining up places to go, was that like mainly Ohio or were you able through Patrick to get like different venues or what did that touring look like? Well, Fat Possum set me up with a booking agent and like my first uh, tour that we ever did was with Drive by Truckers. Awesome. Uh, yeah, they're they're Bama boys. Yeah, it was the uh, Dirty South tour. Oh, that's a that's a great album. Yeah, it was. I think uh, that's my favorite album. <laughs> by I think me too. Although I don't know if I think it's definitely their best or if it's just my most nostalgic for all I, my experiences. I mean, their new stuff is so good too. I mean, there's just so much good stuff they keep on coming out with. And they took us out before the album was released and then we did one in 2005. When my record came out, we did another tour with them. I, I've been touring a lot with them. I figured out, like I actually just came off tour with them. I was about to say, haven't you been doing the solo album tour with them? Yeah, with them and Lucinda Williams. Like I just got off that tour and like, I figured out, we both were like, wow, we've toured together more than any 
I've never toured more with another artist and they've never toured with yeah. another artist more. Like, I think I've done six or seven with them. Wow. So, yeah. It's, it's very family. So that's kind of how that started off. Yeah. So, and so <laughs> when all that became a reality and you started touring and you had the band going, like, what was, like, friends and family? What was the, the support? or What was some of the things that they were saying and what was all that, like, about? Like, you know, like... Phone calls from mom and dad, be like, hey, um, we just recorded at Fat Possum, or you know, we're going yeah. on tour with the drive-by truckers, or you know, you know that kind of stuff. Though, I mean, my like my dad, I think right now, gosh, I'm really bad with remembering exactly it, everybody's age sometimes, but I feel like my dad is like 85 or 86. So mm-hmm. when I'm first starting and signing to Fat Possum and touring with the drive-by truckers. He's not like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's just kind of like, I hope that you're you're doing okay. doing well and yeah. healthy, and yeah. I wish the best. You know what I, I mean? I hope you're eating well. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always been a really, through my whole career span, it's always been putting one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And I've really, in the last several years, had to look back and like stop and like appreciate where I'd, I'd gone and what I'd done. Because it's like, I don't know, when you first start and embark on something, it's just like you're always kind of moving and you're you're working and you're you're trying to grow. And sometimes you get so kind of caught up in that that forward motion. It's kind of, I I didn't even realize how far I'd come, you know? I I guess so. I I, I can't relate to that at all, but I kind of get like where you're going. It's like, you know, life just kind of kept moving and I was just kind of going, you know? Yeah. I look back and look at all these things that's happened, you know, kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like that way with so many things in life or with so many folks too. I think it's, um, yeah. Yeah, I just had to stop and like, okay, I've got some gratitude. It 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 just, uh, yeah, it was such as, I don't know. I never felt like I just had this moment where it was like, boom, I've made I it. Made it, yeah. You know, and I don't know if, I don't know. I realize, I don't know if you ever do in a way. I actually had dinner with somebody that's like played arenas, and. They were talking to me about how they're just, like, trying to make this new sound and, like, they're working on this thing. But through that dinner, I also got the impression, like, in a way they hadn't felt like they hadn't quite made it. Yeah, there's, like, they're still trying? Yeah. But it's like you kind of never do stop trying, right? You're always trying to grow Mm -hmm. in life. and There's always new ventures. It's like once you accomplish something, then you want to accomplish something new. Mm -hmm. It's like... You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, uh, and then I kind of, I remember at that dinner, it kind of clicked with me. I was like, wow. I was like, this person has, like, accomplished so much more than I have. Mm -hmm. And I've, at times, been hard on myself. And I was like, wow. Okay. I need to, like, stop and, like, be really grateful for what I've done. And that's kind of, like, more and more, and just my attitude. It's like, yeah. I'm like very thankful (laughs) (laughs) yeah and just just some of the things that the heartless bastards has done since um i picked you up and it was through Cobb. it was through the austin city limits you know the 
I saw that, and then also y'all were on Friday Night Lights. And so from Cincinnati and like touring with drive-by truckers, when did when when did you make the move down to Austin, and when did all that happen? Well, I was touring a whole lot on my second album, and I think just my Mike and I we were in a relationship, mm-hmm. and it was too much. I think just being in that relationship and working together and touring, it's like, touring is really intense, and it just yeah. And we split up, and I just felt like I needed a new place to go. <laughs> we had a lot of the same friends, and mm-hmm. I, I was just, yeah, I did. I just kind of needed a, definitely. So I moved down to Austin. I had an aunt and a cousin there, okay. and my manager was there, and I was like, okay, well, I've got a support system here. Mm-hmm. It's a cool town. Let's just give this a go. Mm-hmm. So that's what brought me there. And then I recorded The Mountain when I was there, which was such a difficult album to write, I felt like. It's my favorite album. Oh, thank play. you. That's my favorite one. I, th- I feel like... You had it here tonight, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I played some from that. Yeah. yeah I, f- I feel like... You played two, like two of the, the, the main songs I know from Heartless Bastards tonight. I th- and I look back at Cobb, he's like, pull your phone out. You better record this. <laughs> yeah, I think that was just like a really challenging time for me. You know, okay. I I was in a relationship with Mike for nine years. Oh, wow. Which is longer than a lot of marriages. Absolutely. You know, and like. Absolutely. It was a really challenging time, but exciting too, you know, meeting new people. I met sure. so many lovely people and I'm really, that's one of my favorite albums. Yeah. And I think sometimes a lot of things come out of big changes, you know? Yeah, just talking about getting into new albums or new artists. Sometimes a move or a change, or I mean, it drastically can change the sound. And uh, it's development, for better or worse. And I mean, sometimes I can get right on the train, and sometimes I have to sit back with it for a while. It is funny when you say that because you were saying, uh, give it a, a, ch- a chance. And I was thinking these days how everything is so like quickly digested. It's like, oh, hate man. it, like it, hate it, like it, or mm-hmm. like, dislike. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It's, but you know, the funny thing is, I remember growing up listening to albums with friends, and the funny thing. Thing was sometimes the songs that catch you initially the ones that grab you and they're catchy mm-hmm. it's not that they're not good but the funny thing is sometimes it's the songs that are the, I call them like, like the creeper songs or I don't know you know what I mean like yeah yeah I call um, I call those songs bangers or burners because I mean they'll, they'll typically stay around longer than the hits for me I feel like there's a lot of music where if you you have it takes time you gotta digest it you gotta like let it simmer Mm -hmm. it's such a in the moment thing these days but sometimes like I just wonder if like the younger generations experience that in that way if they give themselves the chance I I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm speaking sort of hypothetically 
it's just just with music or with anything else, just something I try to do here on the show is let's uh, let's widen our palette. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good stuff out here. Yeah, it's true. And so that's a, that's a big thing about porch talk is just being able to sit down with artists and hear the story, play a song, and why do you do what you do? And hopefully, like we can capture this new generation. Like there's there's some great stuff out here, guys. A lot of great stuff. Catch it. Yeah. Here it is. And so just just when I was getting ready for this show, um, it was about two weeks ago. Jamie started sharing songs from off your new album and like when she said that you were from the heartless bastards i already knew i was going to be here you know a fan of the heartless bastards and i got to listen to your new album on spotify and i was like yeah i'm gonna be there because i, I couldn't wait to hear it acoustic you know because the production on the album, i really like the production i, I love the the tone and the sounds and like I was talking to you earlier on the porch, I like the mantra and what I thought it was. It's, yeah. It's it's be good to yourself, and it, through that, it's like it's allowing you to be good to others. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I can dig it. And so just throughout with your your touring and all the things that you've accomplished with the Heartless Bastards up to now, did you think that going? the solo route that that was going to be a thing that you were always going to kind of go that way or like as it kind of evolved was it going to go that way or how did that look it's sort of complicated and it isn't at the same time (laughs) i i i picked it i always wanted a band name because i thought for one it's like i like the idea of a team yeah the camaraderie yeah and i also for the name itself, I just thought it sounded really tough. It did. It you know? does. First time I listened to Heartless Bastards, I had no idea what I was in store for. <laughs> and like, because the band name itself gave a first impression, right? Yeah. And then you listen to the music and I was like, hmm, cool. <laughs> I'm for it. You know, I, I think I thought it sounded really tough and I wanted that sort of image but going through the the lineup change when i moved to austin and then i recorded Mm -hmm. the mountain with session musicians and then but then i put together sort of my my dream team of folks that i loved and i brought dave or dave joined from who was in jesus and it kind of became full circle and and i asked jesse if he wanted to come down who put played with his like you know, broken leg or whatever <laughs> years yeah. before. Yeah. But and Mark, who he did sound for us on a, as a three piece, and we heard he was a great guitarist, so we asked him to join, and he was great. And and I I had this team of folks that I've toured with for like the last eight years, and I love very much, and they're my family. And when we took like a break, you know, I mean, Dave is like, man, I've been doing this for eight years and I just feel like I just need a change in my life I need to try something different Mm -hmm. and then Jesse was like I've been a sideman my whole life uh Mm -hmm. playing bass and he's like I really want to give a go at writing my own songs and do my own thing and and he's now on a second album and he's really motivated and and I'm kind of thinking, like, I don't know. Like, I had this idea of my dream team that I sort of put together to then go forward as Heartless Bastards. 
And, you know, and there's part of that that's sad for me, but I also realize, you know, when you really care about people, you want them to just be happy. And to do the It's like whether that plays into, like, what I want or not, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, I don't know. It's like we might do stuff again. We might not. And, you know, I've had a lot of folks, like, industry stuff where when I'm working, like, a bit of a backlash, like, you could just have a different band and use the same name. And you could, like, the Heartless Bastards. And you do, this would be a lot bigger than it is right now. But But it's not the same. It's not. And I I, I don't know. I feel like I've done a lot of self-growth. I've done a lot of, like, personal work on myself. Was that kind of some of the things from the solo album that kind of came up for that? Yeah, and I feel like I'm just not the same person. And I also feel like, although, like, I have no regrets with my band name, it's just, like, part of my path. I think it's dope. I No, no, I've I've always thought it was, like, funny and sarcastic, (laughs) but there's a lot of negativity in the world, and I just kind of feel like... It's definitely rubbed folks the wrong way at times. And I, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I would like, sometimes I would get tagged like on Facebook, like on the band thing. Mm-hmm. But it was just somebody typing the word heartless bastards. And it would somehow like tag our band page. Yeah. But it would be like animal cruelty photos or like yeah, heartless uh, bastards and horrific things you know Mm -hmm. I was seeing like I was constantly being tagged in like horrific things and and I'm like hmm I don't know I I just right now I'm at this point although I have no regrets with that I might just kind of continue with my name and maybe it doesn't sound as tough and cool but the more I think about it like I think the real toughness is just being yourself. You know how hard it is to just fucking be yourself Ain't and the be. Thing in the world? <laughs> it's like that's the hardest uh, thing is to unapologetically just be you. Yeah, and, and I don't mean just to go out and just to, you know, narcissistically just be. Yeah, yeah, totally. People, yeah, but to say what you mean and to do what you say. Yeah. And to not be sorry about that, because like it or not, this is who I am. And that, that was some of the things that I kind of grasped from the album. And it's like, there's a lot of growth going on. So we don't know. It's a special album. Like, Thank you. Like, uh, I picked it up earlier this month. And like I told Jamie, it's quickly made its way into like a daily playlist, like like a bird. And uh, some of the other tracks off that album is special. Thank special you. Album. Yeah, I just, I feel like I'm... I'm I'm changing my my I've changed my path and and I have no regrets whatsoever. But and and right now I'm just kind of if I have to work a little harder to get back to where I was, then sure. that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I have I'm writing songs and I'm real excited about and as long as I have the energy to continue to like work hard, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be just fine and. Yeah. uh you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to reach people. That's yeah, all. I mean, like know? the song that you played tonight that you hadn't cut yet. It was uh, I, I like the tap that you were given like on the strings, like before. What was what, you, you hadn't even named it yet? Was, was, oh, that one's. Uh, I think I'm gonna call it a beautiful life. Yeah. Beautiful life. I was like, uh, 
that's unique. You go to a show, you don't typically see a guitarist play a guitar that way, you know, and I was, the, the lyrics are good, and I was like, I can't wait to hear it recorded. Thank you. And so just down the road um, for the rest of 2019, it's like, if you can project, where do you think, where is this headed? Have you got any tours lined up? Are you still going? Yeah, I'm going to do some South by stuff, South by Southwest. For listeners out there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and i'm going to europe with patty griffin which i'm excited about wow. i'm gonna do that just acoustic and then i'm playing red rocks Tight. which uh with avid brothers oh that's awesome you played with them in the past yeah and you know the funniest thing was about that i i did some event last july 5th mm-hmm. i played Somewhere in Colorado. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of the town. But we were driving towards the airport on July 5th, Mm -hmm. the day after the the event, and passing Red Rocks. And I said to the the folks I play with, I was like, I'm going to will it. I was like, I'm going to will that I'm going to play Red Rocks within the next year or so. I was like, it's going to happen. I'm going to will it. And it was just, you know, I felt very convicted in that thought. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, and then I ended up, I got this show with the Avid Brothers, and it's July 5th. It's exactly one year from the day that we rode past, and I said, I'm going to will it. That is so awesome. <laughs> I felt like it was a sign. It's kind of like these vision boards that a lot of people do, right? It's like a lot of people now, and I mean, I've done it. I haven't done a vision board per se, but... To write down or to, you know, print off photographs and to, like, visually see what you want out of life. Yeah. And to give yourself a deadline. And for that to happen and come to fruition, that's huge, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just started, uh, somebody turned me on this book. Oh, God, what is it called? It's called The Secret. And it's all about, I haven't finished it yet, but it's all, all about projecting energy mm-hmm. and absolutely if like if for instance if you spend time worrying a lot about things then you're actually projecting worry out in the world mm-hmm. and and like energy is kind of like a boomerang and then it comes back absolutely um and it gives you things to worry about because that's like what you're giving it and it's like a boomerang mm-hmm. but if you put out the things that you want in your life and you just you put that out there and you just ask the universe and I will see. I just, I, uh, (laughs) I, I, I figure it doesn't hurt to think positively. Right. So, no, not at all. Uh, and then I felt like, uh, after that whole experience, I'm like, I had a few things like that lately and I'm just like, I just need to put the, that the, the positive things that I want out there and just have them come back. And you know, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I sound kooky, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, why not? You know, why not? Why not believe in it all, right? In all the Absolutely. positivity stuff. So yeah. Cool. What were some of the influences behind some of the guitar work, and I mean, maybe even some of the melodies and some of the lyrics? Is it from reading or other artists or? Um, well, as far as like guitar stuff though, I'm like sort of self-taught and I feel like it's, <laughs> it's been a real like slow, uh, 
slow climb for my guitar technique talents. <laughs> but uh, it, you know, it works. I think for my first several albums, I think I think music can be very simple, and it was fine. It, it made yeah. sense for what I was doing, and more and more I have learned more core like I did bar chords on everything but I've been learning more uh, you know traditional chords mm -hmm, and, sure. and things so my influences musically are much more from a melodic sense mm -hmm. uh, and always have been who are those cats they're so broad I mean <laughs> um, from my early childhood Ray Charles was a huge okay. influence. Uh, Bobby Gentry. Okay. Yeah, that uh, the Choctaw Ridge. I can't think of what the <laughs> name of that song is right now. But then I got into punk rock when I was in high school and sort of DIY garbage or no, no, like uh, the Stooges okay. and. Um, MC5 okay. and uh, okay. uh, television, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, stuff like that. Patti Smith. Um, yeah. When I started really trying to write songs, I, I never used to like classic rock, but I got super into classic rock okay. because all of a sudden I was like, it's classic for reason it's like fucking amazing yeah it's like, not just because it's 20 years old <laughs> i think led zeppelin <laughs> okay. and is probably one of my favorite bands of all time and then probably the rolling stones mm. and they constantly influence me you played um, the song tonight i can't remember the name of it but it reminded me a lot of a beatles tune oh yeah uh, it was toward the end of the show. I think it was the third song that you like toward the end of the set. Yeah, well, definitely. It's. It, I think it's hard not to be influenced by the Beatles. Yeah. To, you know, and some other influences are uh, Mazzy Star. Mm -hmm. Like I love Hope Sandoval's voice and that song "Fade Into You." I always call it my Desert Island song. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it's just one of those that I never get sick of listening to. Mm -hmm. But Harry Nielsen has been a big influence in the last several years, and I fucking love Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood. Okay. They're so good. Have you ever heard that duet album? I have not heard the duet. Oh, really? I Some Velvet Morning? I've got to check it out. Oh, my gosh. That's a great plug. What's that album name one more time? Oh, well, I don't remember the name of the album, but there's a song called, I think it's Some Velvet Morning. Some Velvet Morning. There we go. Okay. Yeah. And I love Ennio Morricone, you know, that old spaghetti western stuff. Not familiar with that. You know the old, like, Clint Eastwood spaghetti western music? I do. I do know that. So, on my album, Arrow, I have a song called The Arrow Killed the Beast. Okay. And I was trying to incorporate the vocal sound of Nancy Sinatra. Okay. And Ennio Morricone's spaghetti western. <laughs> That's really cool. I have to check that out. I have so many. I really, you know, sometimes people are like, this is my main influence. I'm influenced by, I love music. I love all kinds of different mm -hmm. things. I'm really into Afrobeat, Fela Kuti. Okay. You know. Not familiar with that at all. That's new on me. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> and Ginger Baker from Cream played a live album with Fela Kuti. Okay. It's I do pretty awesome. Yeah. 
So if I were to ask you this, give me three artists of all time. It could be of that timeline that you could see in that time period. Who would it be? Like just all over time, if it was like Zeppelin in the late 70s or... Okay. Well, I will say I would love to see Zeppelin, especially with John Bonham because he's like... Mm. I think probably my favorite drummer, or one of them for sure, um, if I had to pick a favorite. And Jimi Hendrix. I would have loved to see him at Woodstock, right? Just anywhere. In 69? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, whenever I've seen footage, it's just like, Mm -hmm. he's on fire, you know? He's just like some other being or something. Yeah. Um, Well, those are two. I want to see Ronnie Spector sing Be My Baby with like <laughs> in the fucking 60s. How cool go. would that be? That would be dope, right? Is that song not just like... Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Yeah, it I, is. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. Oh, and Otis Redding. Oh. I'll just add that one. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Well, all right. This has been another episode of Poor Style. Erica, thank you so much for sitting in. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. Well, all right, till next time. Well, peace out. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.